welcome to yet another episode of Morgan Webster's Wrestling Friends. It's been a while, apologies. I'll explain why in a minute if you don't already know. Of course, this soothing, desolate Welsh voice means that I am the undisputed king of the mods. The mod father himself, Flash Morgan Webster. Or more important than that, the next five minutes to the hour, to the hour and a half, however long this conversation with Keith Myatt goes this week, I will be your host, or as I like to see it, facilitator for all these chats, discussions, gatherings with your wrestling favourites, or as I like to call them, my buddies, my pals, my uh, wrestling friends. If you're an avid listener to the podcast, and I say avid like I release it every week, but I haven't released one in about two to three weeks. If you're an avid listener of the podcast, then you'll know this podcast does give you free of charge most weeks. And is able to get that on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, or wherever wherever you get your podcast from. Uh, if you do enjoy listening to the podcast, please be sure to rate, subscribe, review. Uh, tweet it out, tell a friend, do whatever you need to do to ensure that uh, people like Keith, his story, his 30-plus year story is heard by as many people as possible. And the best way to do that is to rate, subscribe, review, push up those podcast lists. And of course, I said, tweet it out. Tell a friend, Facebook it out, do whatever you need to do to ensure that you're telling as many people as possible. Maybe go outside your house and maybe just shout about it right now. Yeah, maybe do that, maybe record it. Send me uh, send me some uh, some tweets, some Facebook pictures of you doing that because that'd be absolutely great. But uh, yeah, best way to do it is to uh, rate, subscribe, review, tell a friend and all that other stuff. Of course, um, as I said, this can you free of charge. And we're able to do that in part thanks to our sponsors, Pins and Knuckles Merchandise. Dot com, pins and knuckles, um, yeah, they're absolutely great if you're looking for any place to design. They have designers there too. Design merch, looking for stuff for hen parties, stag do's, birthdays. They print it all. T-shirts, hoodies. They've got embroidery as well. So if you're looking for caps, I got somebody coming to the other day and asked if they do caps. They definitely do. So get your snapbacks there as well. They do flags. They do subliminal printing they do it all and, and to be fair whenever i've had inquiry and asked if they do certain stuff and they haven't done it they've gone off and they've looked at the price costs and see if it is possible to do those things so maybe just drop tom or shannon or whoever a message at pins and knuckles merch.com and ask them because they do wonderful stuff i get all my t-shirts from there you'll be noticing uh, recently if you buy them from me online that they all come pre-packed and they do that because that's how they send them pre-packed they're labeled so you know what size they are and they just look really, really good. And they also send you free stickers. And of course, if you do use the promo code FLASH for this month, then you will get an extra five t-shirts free of charge, no matter how many colors, five t-shirts free of charge of your own print when you order 25. So if you order 25, you get five, 50, 10, 75, 15. And then if you order 100, you get an extra, uh, what is it, 20? Yeah, it'll be 20. So you can't see fear of that. Free stuff. So definitely head over there and say... Uh, Say Flash sent you or use the promo code Flash. You get some free stuff. So a big thanks to them for keeping us free of charge on the air. Uh, of course, I do understand that not everyone's looking for that sort of stuff. They're not looking for merch to print. They're not looking for uh, T-shirts. They're not looking for embroidery. But they're saying, hey, Flash, I love the podcast. How can I support it? You can do that by heading over to morgawebster.bigcartel.com. And uh, I've got prints over there. I've got brand new uh, we'll pass out to the Yell Submachine t-shirts. Definitely go check that out. And I do have limited figures left. So all the way down to about maybe about six, seven. I have six or seven figures left. So if you're after those, I jump over there quickly and uh, go grab one. I am able to ship internationally. So if you are looking to support the podcast, wherever you're listening, then uh, head over to morgawebster.pickartel.com. 
Of course, I do say it every week, but I understand that not every... I say every week, again, it hasn't been three weeks. Again, I'll explain why. Uh, I do understand that not everyone can afford to uh, go to Pins and Nuts merchandise and they can't afford to, to give 20, 30 pounds or whatever it is over at the mogulwebs.pickartel.com. And that's fine. Not everyone can. I understand everyone's circumstances is different. But if you are enjoying the podcast, maybe give me a cheeky shout out on the social media. I'm at Flash underscore Morgan on the Twitter. I'm Facebook.com forward slash Flash Morgan Webster on the Facebook. I'm at Flash Morgan Webster on the Instagram. Lots of people putting in their stories. I love seeing that. And I am, of course, Flash Morgan at live.co.uk on the email. If you want to send me a little discreet email or you want to book me for any upcoming seminars, gigs, events, then yeah, do that. Um, I'm going to be heading down to Dragon Pro later to do a uh, very special seminar on entrances. Something I don't very get to do very often, but uh, yeah, we're gonna head down there with the Wild Bull Mike Hitchman, and we're gonna do uh, we're gonna do beginners to advanced session. Everyone's included uh, on entrances, so that'd be a lot of fun. So again, if you want to be for any upcoming seminars, events, gigs, anything like that, then please be sure to uh, email me at flashmorganatlive.co.uk. So yeah, this week's guest is Keith Myatt. Sat down with Keith on Saturday. Uh, had a free day, so I popped down. I say popped down, he popped down to me. And it's one that we were going to do a couple months ago, but we couldn't get sorted. In the end, I ended up just uh, buying some lovely retro posters off him from the World of Sport era, which are now currently up in my house. Uh, yeah, sat down with Keith, and it's a full retrospective career. He said afterwards there was so much that we missed out. But uh, I felt like the way that the podcast went and where we... Where it took it some again how we ended it was the exact point to end it on and again I always love having enough to possibly come back and have another chat with somebody not just with Keith as he said himself that maybe his his most active years are now behind him so this isn't somebody that maybe will do more in the future and then we'll come back and talk to that but hey who knows he probably will because he's he loves to work but this is somebody who maybe we've we've missed out a big portion of his career. And uh, we can come back and chat to that at some point. But it's a lovely chat with Keith. We talk about him starting in the Stoke area. We talk about him being a father and a husband when he decided to start in the 70s, which blew my mind. Uh, but we get right into that. And we talk about how hard it was to break into the business. We talk about him traveling and teaming with Big Daddy. And we talk about uh, what it was like after the World of Sport era stopped and it went off the TV. And through the, the dark times, I guess, of British wrestling, when there wasn't that much work around. And how uh, how he views the time now. And how he views the era and what he thinks about all the new guys that are making waves globally. It's a really nice chat. And sometimes you can sit down with uh, some of the older guys. And some of them could be quite bitter. And Keith is not that at all. He's somebody that if I'm ever in the dressing room with him, I always seek to find him out because he's always... He's always, always a good egg. He's always really positive, really excited about wrestling. And somebody you just enjoyed to be around. But yeah, sat down with Keith on Saturday. Was down at Attack on Sunday. Uh, was supposed to be wrestling Wild Bull Mike Hitchman. I was also supposed to be at a show on Saturday. I don't know if I ever got announced for that. But um, yeah, I had to cancel from both of those. Uh, Chicago uh, heard something uh, in my shoulder. I had MRI yesterday on that, so I won't know for the next 48 hours what's going on with it, but it's precautionary. Uh, it hasn't felt right. It is my surgically repaired shoulder, so hopefully it's nothing. Hopefully it's just a little bit of relax, take it easy, rest, and it'll heal on its own. Uh, I haven't got anything done, but I did hear a, la a loud noise come from it, so uh, I'm just playing it careful, especially with the opportunities that are ahead of me now. I can't go, uh, I can't go taking risks and then potentially being out on the shelf for uh, 
the year like it was last time. So I'm being very, very cautious about this now. But uh, fingers crossed, MRIS day, which I absolutely despise, they've been in closing in in closed spaces so that was uh very very very, very scary but uh yeah hopefully that's all good but i got to sit down with uh keith uh as i said the podcast hasn't been on for three weeks uh reason being is i went over to i did the nxt tapings the uk tapings then flew straight up to the performance center that facility is absolutely incredible uh got to train with norman smiley uh terry taylor johnny moss so many people uh, shown in the in the gym and the weights and conditioning center there as well. The place is absolutely incredible. I could I could gladly go there on a full time basis. Felt like I learned lots in that week that I was there, and just dream come true being out there. And of course, from there, then went straight from Florida then to Philadelphia, uh, ECW Arena, where I wrestled Mark Haskins. Uh, great atmosphere, great crowds. Started the show off there, so I was real happy. I haven't I started a progress. I don't think I've ever started a progress show. No, that's a lie. I've never done a singles match and started off a progress show. The only other time I've done a, a progress show was the one before, whereas with the one uh, the one and eight versus Aussie Open. So that's the only other time I've ever done that. It was great to open the show. Uh, then we had it Boston the night after, which me and Jimmy Havoc again, lots of fun, crowd electric. Then we had New York, which was myself versus uh, Mark Astley's and the Bluff in the submission match. That crowd was absolutely mental. And then we had Seattle and Detroit again. Two absolutely stellar shows. Crowd greats, Detroit and Chicago. Missing look at so much happened in that in those two weeks that I forgot. But yeah, Seattle, Chicago, and then Detroit. As I said, I'd already hurt my shoulder by then, so you'll probably wonder why I kind of take the role I do, but that's that's why the shoulder was already hurt at this point. But it's it's uh it was a, an absolute great tour. I got to do so much stuff. Seattle absolutely stole my heart. It's such a great place. If I was to uh, if I was to do another tour of America, I'd want to hit Seattle again because absolutely absolutely wonderful place. Amazing! Oh, I can be still tired for this tour. I did beat jet lag though. I did beat jet lag, but yeah, great. New York was fantastic. It was just it was just amazing, and I uh, had a lot of great matches along the way. And you guys were a lot of receptions. It's great to see uh, the draw and the the reach that progress has. Uh, did New Orleans, but of course everyone went there because of WrestleMania. So to go there and see how many people showed up just for Progress Wrestling, it was absolutely amazing. So uh, yeah, that's why there was no podcast. I should have been sitting down and doing lots of podcasts. Loads of people I wanted to do podcasts with. Told Brody King I'd do one with him. Told Elliot Saxon I'd do one with him. And in the end, I just decided to uh, to gallivant and see these cities I'd never been to before. So apologies that uh, those podcasts will happen, but they uh, maybe not for the next couple of weeks. So yeah. Uh, absolutely great three weeks but finally sat down with uh, Keith on Saturday and you've got a wonderful podcast ahead of you today I guess that kind of does wrap it up um, I don't want to grabble on for too much so I guess all that's left to say is uh, sit back relax and enjoy what is a wonderful wonderful conversation with the lovely Keith Myatt enjoy people Far today, not far, is it? 15 miles, 16 miles. So it's an hour, uh, uh, what do you mean? An hour, not even an hour, 40 minutes. I forget sometimes, like, there's a few of you, like, I there's you and there's, there's dynamite, sub- is he substoke? Where I think he is, yeah, yeah. but yeah. I forget sometimes that because I'm always traveling south, mm. yeah, I forget yeah. sometimes the north <laughs> exists. If, if we came straight through stone that way, it would take me like no more than half an hour to get to here, 
but like for some reason my mate like, next door was actually born in Stafford and he says oh you're better off being near the motorway and I put the sat nav on and I thought I'll go that way it's 50 miles an hour so it took me a little bit longer like, but it took me off at junction 14 Yeah. which I might as well have come down Stoneway anyway like I got yeah, yeah. all the way down the A34 because I thought you were further down past Stafford I, I used to be right. I used to be see. Right. I was down near junction 13 Right. So we've moved, so I used to live with yeah. the girlfriend's parents and we had our own house. So long have you been here now? January. January, yeah. January, yeah, yeah. moved in. Officially January. Close enough to the centre, aren't you? And nice yeah. to the train station. Yeah. Just talk about the train stations and stuff really? like that. So yeah, I can, really I can walk here yeah. in five minutes. But uh, I'm joined you today by, by Keith Matt. Well. So, uh, <laughs> you know, again, I, I think I say it all the time, but you're one of the people who I've said, let's get this sorted. And we were going to get it done the one day, and instead of getting it sorted, I ended up just getting loads of old school posters off you instead. <laughs> <laughs> well, you came, you came out to that one yeah, of right? yeah, 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 I did. It's something that, I, these type of things I don't usually do, like, one thing, because I don't have, I don't have the time between working and, like, wrestling and things like that, but uh, it just felt right for me to do something like this at the moment, and uh, I always like to sort of go down memory lane and tell things about the old school and things like it was in our day and things like that especially with somebody like you at the moment that's like doing rather well for yourself right? <laughs> oh, like, yeah. you're, cheering, you're cheering all around the world and I was in the, I was in real last Tuesday <laughs> nothing against real nice people so yeah it's great it's great to be here and actually have a chat and I like talking about wrestling but never really done too many of these these things like you know well, you talk about like being at real. How long have you actually been wrestling now? Because you are still still going at it. So yeah, sure. Really? Yeah, uh, officially started. I would say around about 1982, 1983. So 30, 35 years plus, like yeah. So it's been a long time, and something I never thought that I would actually do for so long. And uh, why is that? But I don't know. Like, you know, obviously I've been I've been quite lucky. You know, touch touch wood with various injuries and things like that that I've been like I've seen friends and other wrestlers finished in the business because of it like I really bad injuries um, but I've been quite lucky that way I've had my nose broke a couple of times and odds and sods like but really got through uh, but being a villain you can get away with most of it <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean yeah my knees are a bit dodgy now and my elbows over the years because when we first started obviously we didn't have a lot of like uh, protection Knee pads, arm pads, things like that, unheard of when I started. So you were taking most of your, your falls, you were taking like on your knees and on your elbows, break falls and things like that. And the rings in my day were very, very hard. You know, I'm not saying that they aren't now, but like, you know, it was, it was quite some of the rings we used to travel around the country were really no vicious. Good, yeah. Vicious, yeah, yeah. So were you, like, so the way that we're taught to break fall and stuff like that now, were you, were you taught that way? Because... I remember this time, like, you watched Dynamite, for example. Dynamite's mm. amazing. But the way that Dynamite th was thrown on the ring, the way he would land, it's just unlike anyone I've ever seen before. Like, so, were you taught the way that we were taught to I think, basically, even going back all them years, like, a breakfall is a breakfall. Break yeah, you would have been taught the same and, roll, you know, the first thing I ever got taught was to just do a roll-up. You know, just roll over. And, like, things like that. It progressed from there. But you're talking, when you talk to Dynamite kids, you're talking to someone who's... Obviously, was way out there, like with everything he did and things like that. He, and he did take a lot of risks, and that's why perhaps why he is like quite. You know, he, he had a lot of injuries and back trouble and things yeah. like that. But he took it. He was one of the first guys to take it to the limit. He was. It, guys like him and Rocco were like years ahead of the time yeah. because of the bumps that they were taking. 
but obviously with bumps comes the risks of injuries and things like that. And uh, but you know when he went out there and David Boy finished and uh, followed him, sorry and things like that, they were like years ahead. You know they were showing the the Japs and the the Americans what wrestling was all about and stuff like that. But basically, just going back to basics is when I first learned to wrestle, it was like I was doing a lot of amateur stuff as well because the guy that actually spent more time with me was a guy named um, Wildman John Wilkie. And he used to do a lot of, uh, he's been on World of Sports a few times and that, but basically he, had a, he was a villain who like, was like a rough and tough character and all that, but outside of him, quite an odd man as well. But he, he lived in Stoke on Trent, so he's one of the first guys I actually got in contact with to like, wanted to learn to wrestle the basics and all that. But he didn't, he did me no favours, there was no favours at all, no. We, we learned on a judo mat in a little place uh, in Stoke called Burslem, and uh, Robbie Williams comes from there, that's the only thing that's connected with Burslem. But uh, what actually happened is he took me on this mat the first time, he scared me. Basically, uh, nose was bleeding, he just lay, lay me on the mat, he covered me and he said to me, right, try to push me off. So when I tried to push him off, I just, I wouldn't put all my strength into it, just next thing, like a knee would go into the ribs, uh, you know, and then the forearm across the nose, the nose would be bleeding by now, the tears of, like, temper coming out of me. So you try harder and harder, and he used to say, that's better, lad, that's better. And he used to, and I used to have a grueling session with them every week. I used to go there. There was no rings to get in them days and learning inside the ropes. It was all on a mat or on a judo mat or even on a floor, on a hard floor. And he would just knock the seven miles out of me, yeah. Uh, but going back a little bit further, my interest in wrestling started as a young lad because uh, my hometown of uh, Stoke-on-Trent, uh, there's a famous hall there called the Victoria Hall and yep. which is well known within the wrestling industry fantastic hall and every Saturday night there would be 1800 people every Saturday night at Victoria Hall they were hanging from the rafters that big I don't know have you worked there yourself? I have no? not no, oh, unfortunately right. not uh, quite a famous hall for like uh, bands as well rock musicians because apparently the, the sound in there is, is like second to none in the country so all the bands used to like playing there and everything and that was my local hall. So as a youngster, I used to go up and watch the wrestling with a mate from school. Who used to be on the bills? Oh, on the bills in them days, there'd be people like, um, obviously, Kendo Nagasaki, um, Les Khalid, all the, uh, a guy named Masambule, um, and all the old stars used to get up there. Rocco's father used to wrestle, Jumping Jim Hussey. I used to watch guys like that. And, you know, we were, and uh, a guy named Roy Ball Davies, who was Skull Murphy's father. And these were times when I was young, like going up there, Jackie Palo, and uh, they're all uh, the, uh, the Royal Brothers. Yeah. There used to be another tag team, a villain tag team called the Black Diamonds. And uh, it was just fantastic. You used to watch it on Saturday afternoon at four o'clock, and nearly half the people you'd watch on telly that day you'd see live. That oh, night. that's amazing. Yeah. And, so, and, and they were like, they were household names. People don't realise how well known they were. How much was the ticket back then? 20p compared to today. How much yeah. would that be in today's money? Oh, crikey, yeah, you got me talking, I don't know, you got me talking 15, 20p, 25p in the ticket. Yeah, yeah. Like, something like that. 20p, yeah. I mean, back to the early 70s, 72, 73, That's something like that, yeah. I actually, the first wrestling match I ever went to was, um, I can still remember it now, was in 1966. I was seven years old. And it was the unmasking of a masked wrestler named Kent Bartali by a young masked wrestler named Kendo Nagasaki. And then 
what had happened is Ken Bartali mask versus mask mask that versus what mask Ken Bartali been a mask wrestler for 20 years a good guy and he'd been wrestling for 20 years and now on comes and he used to do tag matches with Kendall Nagasaki he had a fallout over something so they decided to wrestle each other lose it it was £500 stake. That was in 1966. Yeah. Imagine what that was worth, you know. Yeah. Uh, lose after unmask in the ring. Uh, Nagasaki won the match. Unmasked in the ring. And Nagasaki then went on to be probably the most famous masked wrestler in British wrestling. Yeah, no, yeah. hands down, no, yeah. No, no, doubt, no doubt about it. No doubt about that. We've all, we've all uh, had the Dr. Death and Mr. X and all that. I've done, I've done that a few times as well. Worn the old uh, yeah. mask. So, uh, yeah, but it's because of my mother and father... I used to go to the wrestling with them. And then gradually when I was like at school and stuff like that, I used to go up with the mates and uh, we used to sneak in the back door. Never used to pay. Like when the door was opened and like to let somebody in, uh, we had a mate inside who used to say like, you know, I'll leave it on the latch for you. So we used to sneak in by the dressing <laughs> So we never used to pay, yeah. Uh, but like, the reason why I fell in love with wrestling was because at an early age, the Victoria Hall had like... Um, Round the, the doors that looked into the wrestling all the way around on the balconies I used to think when I was younger that if you, if you opened one of the doors and looked in there was a different match every one it was like I don't know why I got it to my head like and you looked in it was like and I could see like they were cartoon characters to me it was out of this world all the colourful things that I used to see and all that like as a youngster like and I thought this is fantastic this is like you know this is brilliant it was like watching a film on TV like and things like that everything was like just golden gowns and things like this. There were so many different characters and things like that, you know. And uh, what I loved about it is, even though I'm not smoking myself, is the fact they were the days when everybody smoked. But it added to the atmosphere. Yeah. Because you'd have a ring light just over the guys that were wrestling. You couldn't see the punters' faces. But you could see all the smoke coming off and that. And it's like, you'd smell it and it was like, it was the atmosphere and everybody like, you can imagine 1,800 people booing and like hissing and, cheering and things like that and as a young kid very impressionable to me to be like in that sort of atmosphere yeah so especially I, from a, a very working class background as well oh right? yeah everybody that went to the wrestling was like they, they were the people that went down the, the but, to see, but to see these characters that exactly were, that, that superheroes took, that took them away yeah exactly yeah that took them away from the the grueling jobs that they had like working down the mines and things like that, and working on the pottery firms because like in stoke on it was a massive place for the pits and obviously pottery comes from Stoke on yep. So such as like same with me and my brother. My brother went to work in the pit and I went to work on the pots. So like, you know, a lot of people in them days there wasn't much choice. You know, you were working class and that's why you had to go either go down the pit or whatever. There wasn't many other jobs about at the time, like, you know, it's, the pottery industry was massive then. What did you what did your dad do? My dad was a butcher. Oh really? My dad was a butcher, believe it or not. And uh, he used to work for a guy uh, in a shop and we lived at the back of the shop I was born at the back of a, a butcher's shop but when I first used to come into the business the funny thing was that they used to say to me Keith is a son of a butcher and he doesn't mince his words <laughs> and I got, I got all the quotes like, and I love that like that's that. good and all, and, you know we loved all that and like you know and I, I had a good upbringing but my father was he was taken out at an early age like at 41 he had to pack and work and my mum virtually I went out to work and get, there was me, my brother and my sister. And my sister got married. She was 15 years old and we got married and she was also just me and my brother at home. But like my brother was always interested. He was never interested in wrestling. He was always interested in like being watched bands and things like this. Like, you know, he saw, saw Led Zeppelin live. He saw all these like 
uh, all these people and that. And, uh, but I always loved the wrestling. I always used to watch it on the TV. It's not interesting American stuff then because American stuff wasn't like, you got, you're talking the 1970s now, it was all territorial. So you didn't see a lot of stuff on our TV. No, it was, yeah. Yeah, obviously until like satellite TV. We had our own territory, didn't yeah, we? Exactly, yeah. yeah. But like, I, I couldn't believe the first time I actually travelled with Big Daddy and we were on a minibus going somewhere down south. And when I first started, I thought to myself, I didn't realise how famous somebody could be that we'd, we'd stop for something simple like fish and chips, go in the fish and chip shop and just everybody would stare at you. There's Big Daddy, there's Big Daddy. They were as famous then as what footballers are today. As famous as you could be. Yeah, it's no doubt about it, no doubt about it. Like People like Big Daddy and obviously the guys that are on TV regularly and things like that. It was massive exposure for the wrestling in the 50s, 60s, 70s. And even into the eighties, like. Yeah. Well, let's talk. Well, you talked about your training. How far along were you then until you actually got in and had your first match? How old were you as well? Uh, I came in. I can be honest with you. I came into the business quite uh, quite late. Even though I had, I had an interest and I had a bit of a background in. Uh, I used to do some uh, judo, karate, and self defence and stuff like that. I'd go to classes and things like that, but never thought that I would be able to uh, sort of change into my dream of. Wanted to be a wrestler. Was that did you do those classes thinking that was the closest you could get? Yeah, I think so because even in them days, even in the like late seventies, early eighties, you still had to have contact. You still had to know the right people to sort of you know to because it's very competitive. What well, you got to think of it was on millions of people watching it on TV. Everyone a bit of that. When I first started, yeah. So everybody, you know, and even in the school over in backstabbing used to be going on in them days. Everybody just to get on the TV yeah. or they do anything like you know even rival promoters and things like that. Um, so basically what happened was um, I knew about this guy Joe Wilkie that he was on the circuit and he was wrestling around the country and things like that and he owned a pub in Stoke so when I first come to meet him I was like he was the other side of the bar and I said I introduced myself and this that and the other and I said I'd like to train to be a wrestler and he said well it's not just that easy like he said you've got to learn everything from the basics and, the, and he says and you know we've got to hit don't you I said, yeah, I realise that. I've seen some of the, the injuries that the lads get and all that, like he says. No, he says, then there's the travelling, there's this, that. He says, you get no thank yous in this business and this, that, the other, like, you know. He says, you've got a job? I says, yeah. He says, well, basically, he says, you need to keep your job. It be unique part-time to start off with. He said, because, like, you throw all your eggs in one, one basket. It could be the flavour of the month one month. The next month, the promoter doesn't want you, like, you know. So that's how it was. I think that's like, to be honest with you, I think that right there is something that a lot of young wrestlers could learn from. Just yeah. that, that I'll put my hands up and say I didn't I haven't I went full time in September and that was after eight years yeah. of me doing yeah. it, doing part time jobs. So I think that's something that a lot of people should remember nowadays. But I'd got a young family at the time obviously and so like that wasn't me throwing all my eggs into one basket. I had two young sons that we were bringing up at the time, so you know, to go it would have been just the worst thing to go full time and then something happened. I'd got a decent paying job at the time as well. I was working in the pottery industry. And so basically there was no need. But the only trouble was that when you first started to wrestle, as it, it's like a drug. And you know that now. Yeah. But like, you know, people think because look at old veterans that we never felt like that. I still feel like that now. I mean, if you think, if I could transport you as much as you've done now into our golden years and our heyday, you'd absolutely love it, like, because of the exposure... Every night, it doesn't matter where you went, every night you went to a town hall, there was 1,500 people and 2,000 people. In, in them days, it was town halls, mostly, and things like that. Whereas, you know, then it became leisure centres where 
to me, leisure centres are okay, but you know, you've got the lights on sometimes, and it's like, uh, but the old town halls and places like that were fantastic because you know they could sell them out in them. Well, days, well, well, a lot of Wales still has these these market halls, these town halls. Yes, and I was yeah. very, very, uh, very, very lucky that my first year or so I did travel around with Welsh wrestling. And I was it in market halls and town halls with with Alan Ravenhill in the first year, so I know exactly what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, I've, I've worked with Alan. Uh, we have a standing joke at the moment. He loves this if you listen to this. I was standing joke at the moment. I'm the only uh, English wrestler at the moment that's worked for Welsh wrestling, never wrestled in Wales yet. <laughs> <laughs> I've worked for him in, in Crew and in uh, Burton and that, but never. And he always says to me, he's a standing joke, he says, Do you know you're the only wrestler that's not worked for me in Wales yet? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, I like Alan, he's a good guy and uh, he's got great promotion, works hard. Works yeah, hard, very, yeah, very hard working man. Going back to uh, training and that though, it, it was like, uh, it was horrendous. I used to. Get knocked from pillar to post, bruises, things like that, nosebleeds, and, and I was living with my mother and father. Then I used to come home, just say, and my mum always just say, "How did you know? Is it worth it?" And I said, "It's something I want to do. It's something I'm passionate about, and things like that." You know, so I always thought that how I felt about it would be enough to sort of get me by and that. But then you find out all the hard lessons that you learn along the way, like all the good ideas you have, and, the, the, and then there was the the stabbings in the back and things like that, you know, which basically, you know, it's part and parcel, I know that, but, you know, I used to think, well, I, I, I like to speak to people, right, I'm okay, so they should be all right, but it doesn't always work that way, like, you know. Well, life in general. Even, right? yeah, yeah, exactly, life in general. But anyway, John took me under his wings and we trained and we trained and we trained and eventually, the funny thing was, he was working for the Crabtrees at the time, Max Crabtree and, and uh, joint promotions. Um, but what actually happened, there was a little bit of a twist where the first job I did for any big promoter, I used to, about 82, 83, I, I did a couple of independent jobs for a guy named Harold Lally, and he run like children in Manchester in that area. I did So basically my first jobs would have been like for him and around that sort of area. But uh, if you're talking like, like well-known promotions and things like that, I thought like with training with John, it would have been... Um, for joint promotions, but what actually happened is there was a bit of a twist when I ended up doing my first show for Brian Dixon, and it was a team called All Star Wrestling then. It's called Merseyside Enterprises. That was the name of Brian Dixon before um, he became All Star because obviously they're still based on Birkenhead now. Yep. And so they took the name and when he first started it would have been the early seventies of Merseyside Enterprises. So he became All Star a few years later. And what actually happened is, I'm, I've always been a big friend of Jane Porter, Glendale Kate. Yep. And she was living in Stoke at the time, and she said to me... Where's she from? Stoke. She's from Stoke. She's from Stoke. She lives in Weymouth now, because... Well, I, really, family, I, really yeah. want, I really want to get her, really want to get her on. Oh, her yeah, Jane, Jane is... Yeah, she's been a good friend to me over the years, and things like that. And basically, she said to me, well... Oh, she, she worked for Brian at the time of that. She says, I'll put a word in for Brian. And she actually came up to the... The place where we train as well, give me a few uh items. <laughs> yeah. Well yeah. I've actually worked I've actually wrestled Jane and uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you can imagine, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's another story, yeah. She has given me a few good items, yeah. And basically um she said to me like this was in nineteen eighty four, she said to me, um, I put a word in for Brian, not thinking that anything come of it like. So and then he says, Yeah, he says, Okay, we'll give him a go like and there's another guy at the time that was uh, training with me, a guy named Gary Capo, who's a friend that I worked with. But he was like sort of 12 stone wet through. 
And he, he, I mean, I wasn't much, I wasn't much bigger at the time, but like he was quite thin and all that. So Brian Jackson had the idea of putting us on together in what they called an apprentice match. Yeah. Yeah. So like he built it, I think he built it that because he thought it was going to be crap. It didn't really matter like because he built it as that. So he put me on uh, with with Gary on the fourth fourth of uh, February nineteen eighty four at Victoria. Opening the show. Um, no, not even opening the show. Probably I think that second day. I mean that mm-hmm. would have been. A few years ago, they would have been like quite top of the bill stuff and all that. Because top of the wasn't always the last match, you know what I mean? Because you used to have like a top of the bill and another match after to send them all happy, you know, yeah, yeah, either yeah. a comedy match or you know. So basically, um, I went to nerves were terrible. It was actually he, my mother and father there when we were out. He was there. I had about a 10, 15 minute match with Gary. Went quite well, and uh, on the strength of that, I got a few dates off Brian Dixon. But the feeling I got. Before it came through the kit and you could hear the crowd walked out onto the stage in the Victoria Hall, which at the time I was pleased about because I knew that people like the Beatles had played there, Zeppelin had played there, Queen had played there in yeah. the early days. And I thought, I'm like, I'm going to, even though the ring wasn't on the stage, I'm going to perform on the same stage in the same venue that these guys have been, which meant a lot like Yeah, yeah, hometown as well. I like anything like that, hometown, yeah. I mean, I'd prefer probably to wrestle somewhere else first, but this was my, this was my chance. Especially if you thought to yourself like this, you'll be. You th- might thought to yourself, well, if I balls this up, and I never have any more. No. At least I ticked that off. The That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, sure. got, yeah. But a few weeks before um, we were due to wrestle, I had uh, started having some uh, some back pains and like lower back pains and things like that, and it got worse and worse. Went to the doctors, and I don't know how it actually happened. But found out at the top of just at the base of my back there, I started getting a lump. Yeah. And they, they said it was like a, do you know if you've ever heard, of, it's a funny name, a carbuncle, it's like a big lump that forms, it's like, and it, as stupid as anything, it's as if like um, even a hair gets into it, it can affect it and things like that. Okay. So basically about three weeks before I was due to wrestle, this um, this lump had got massive, it was mass, massive pain and all that. Size of what, like a golf ball? Easily, easily, if not bigger. So then I had to be taken to hospital and have an operation. So what they did is, they, because it was like where it was, they couldn't actually stitch it. They had sliced it, and that's how it like packed with wadding. My nice. nurse used to come in and all that, and like and of course. People, so what was in it? So they cut it open. What was because what's it's open, what's in it's there? just like it's, it's like an infection and stuff like that. Like you know, they had to get scrape out all this sort of stuff and that, and uh, it's horrible. It's, I couldn't sit there. It's like a boil, like a boil. Like a boil. Oh, yeah, yeah, got you. Got a is like a boil, like yeah. But it, it, then he said to me after it could have been caused by like a str- obviously straight hair. Getting into this infection. Well, well do we do like nowadays? I guess they were probably they were probably uh, like staff infections. I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess it's what you call it today. So I ended up in hospital for two days, which would be because you were rolling around on the mats and and possibly, yeah, possibly, yeah, yeah. And then uh, had this operation. Then it got to about a week. It, it still unhealed. Got to about a week before the show. And looking back now, if I think if I hadn't have done that show, I don't think I'd be talking to you now. Because he's, uh, people warned me not to do it, not to do it, and this, that, and the other. And actually wrestled that night, like with, uh, they were the days when the body looked a bit better. <laughs> so basically I've got tights on, boots and stuff like that, no top on, but down the back of me, trunks, had a big pad, massive pad. Pull like, the trunks up real yeah, high. Just to put pressure on it so that, like, and I did take a couple of nasty ones, like when I was taking a bump on it and all that, but managed to get through about 10, 12 minutes and that. So 
thankful for that, but they warned me not to. Uh, I was even in trouble at work because obviously I had to take a few days off work to recover. And then they said to me, I never forget now, they said to me where I was working at the time, when are you wrestling? I said, I'm wrestling on a Saturday night, the February 4th. I said, you're on the club. And I went, yeah, but I'm coming back Monday. So if you're not back Monday, there won't be a job for you. They said to me, well, if you're fit enough to wrestle, then basically you're fit enough to work. Yeah, of course. But obviously I was in agony, I was recovering, but the wrestling, that's not what the wrestling dream meant to me. Yeah. But I was back in work on the Monday, I was in agony, but I still kept my job like, you know, yeah. So basically from there, it, that went quite well. And uh, then Brian Dixon started giving me a few... Uh, a few dates. A few dates. And in them days, he used to get sent by letter to your well, house. Well, you talk about like kind of doing that tutorial in front of your friends and family. Like, what what was the reaction when you walked out and they were like, local lad, Keith Myers? What was, what was... Can you remember what the reaction was like? Yeah, it was a fantastic reaction because like you know, I had a lot of people there that I knew and things like that. I mean, made some work at all come and everything. And but what seemed to happen is when I walked onto the stage, Victoria's quite a big hall like and it's three tiered and it seemed as if everything just moved in. All all the balconies moved in, everybody moved in like that, as if like it was all crazy. I was looking at them and I was in like a small room with eighteen hundred people. That's how it felt to no, me. I know that. Yeah, so no, intense, yeah. so intense like and uh just couldn't believe the atmosphere and things like that. And I just looked up at, at the ceiling like and that. And in them days, like, you know, character-wise and that, you know, I, I did look like a frightened rabbit, but I just tried to sort of play it as if it was a bit cooler. But inside the heart, yeah, 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 yeah. I was going like this, like, you know. And i never forget that. It was 30, what, 34 years ago. I would never, ever forget that match because really that was my proper professional debut, like, you know, so fantastic. Well, like I say, after that, I got sent a few dates and... Um, came via letter. Came via letter, yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. And he told you where you were where you were to be this particular night, who you were to travel with, where to meet. Well, then, what happens if you couldn't do those particular... Would you have sent a letter back? No, you got on the phone then, so I don't know why they couldn't have phoned you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, I don't know why they couldn't have phoned you to say, like, well, can you do these jobs for me? But for some, for some reason... Um, they used to send you letters and things like that, like, you know, and uh, you travel with such and such and such and such, like, you know, so, uh, but I only stayed with Brian for about 12 months, and then an opportunity arose for me to go to uh, joint promotions, which at the time, I've got the TV, Yeah. so I thought to myself, perhaps there's, there's a better, this is a better offer for me, like, and things like that, but I didn't realise at the time, that even, even to this day, Brian Dixon didn't mind other guys working for the rival promotion as long as they fulfilled the bookings with them. But the Crabtrees didn't like your wrestling for Brian Dixon. Ah. So the first job I was ever given in 1984 for them was, um, I guess, God bless him, he's only just passed away a few months ago, uh, it was against a guy named Jeff Kay, who became a referee, but he's a fantastic wrestler with his own, in his own rights. He was at the Paw Hall at Warrington, a big wrestling venue at the time. So I actually walked in this night, this was my first match, and uh, Brian Crabtree, who used to be the referee and the master of ceremonies, came to me and he said, could you just have a word before the match? Like I said, yeah, no problem, Brian. He says, uh, you do realise, he says, that we don't, uh, we don't mix our drinks here. And me being a bit thick, and I said, well, what do you mean? He says, well, if you work for joint promotions, you work for us, you don't work for the rival, what's it? I said, okay. So he says, uh, just to let you know that, like, you know, they, they were very, they were very keen on that. That anybody that came from somebody that worked for another promotion, that 
that's it. If you come to us, you work for us. You don't you're do any you're jobs. Exclusive, yeah. Yeah, okay. exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, and that started me. That started me off like, uh, and I used to go down south and wrestle at uh, Dale Martin's. Used to run the promotions down there, there, but it was all linked into sort of joint promotions. Like they'd have, and, and sometimes over over the years, I mean, you could have like 20, 30 shows a night around the country. Joint promotions, fantastic. Even more perhaps. You know, they'd run up, up in Scotland and uh, sold out and everywhere, and everywhere, everywhere, Wales and, you know, everywhere, yeah. And uh, I used to get experience, like, you know, going out against these guys and that. Um, and then eventually it came, like, I used to do a lot of shows that Big Daddy was on. And, like, because of the massive exposure and who he was, I, I either want, I did want to do a tag with him or a tag against him. But the first time I actually wrestled him was in a place called Whitchurch. You know where Whitchurch is, yeah? No. No, me, no, but I know where it's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's not far from. Where's it? Which is. Anyway, it's which is. Um, <laughs> I, I've job remember things that yesterday, you know, mine was years ago, but I, they actually put me like uh, tagging with Big Daddy and like fantastic atmosphere to come out with Big Daddy and everything that he stood for at the time that the kids loved him and this, that, and the other, and everything like then. Basically proceeding, I mean, my head kicked in for 20 minutes. But I mean, no, watching to that, he was a massive part of wrestling and basically, um, you know, he did, he did a lot of good stuff for wrestling, like, you know, and... Um, so he, he, he was, well, he was the hardcore in of British wrestling. Exactly, and to be involved in their matches and things like that was fantastic at the time. Uh, and it was good exposure, good exposure for me to be in them type of matches and things like that. But... I always kept I always kept my job all this was happening. So obviously I was only like I wasn't full time. I was only part time because basically like they'd ask me to do jobs there one day I just couldn't get there because of my work schedule and things like that. You know, sometimes think I look back and I, I, I regret like thinking like well, what else could I have done? Perhaps yeah, I was say, a bit more and things do like. You wish, that. Do you wish? Do you? I do it sometimes, but I also saw the other side of wrestling where basically. I had a lot of friends that sort of did do that, and then particular people now or a few years later, they weren't married anymore, and they weren't seeing the children, and I didn't want to take that risk because they were always out on the road and things. And I had my fair share. I was going out, you know, my wife was like bringing two children up. I was going to work in the day, then travelling straight down to show. I come back in, my two boys would be sucked so, up in bed. Yeah. So I had a very understanding message who like, you know, she did put up with it. That was only me doing what I was doing. So the guys that were on the road night after night after and I was still going out four, five, six times a night, even even then. But the guys who were staying out and travelling and two, two or three shows a day and a day. And uh, basically, like I say, majority of them sort of went down that road and where the departed uh, from the wives and stuff and all that and I'm just glad when I look back now that that never happened to me because it, Wrestling is like travelling circuses, you know, and it's like no other industry or profession or whatever you want to call it in the world to me because I just don't, I don't think there's anywhere else where you get the camaraderie with the wrestling, but also you get the, a lot of back, I know you get backstabbing in life and all that, but I've never, in other parts of my life, walks of life, I've never seen it quite as bad as it has been in the wrestling, what people will do. To sort of get a job or to make sure that you don't get a job or things like that. I th I think personally that's maybe it's it's changed a little bit now with the generations coming in, but I think it was because 
you were you walked along that bread line of either being a, uh, a star in the sense of making a lot uh, in that time a lot of money or you having to go back to having a regular job yeah and mm. i think that people were so scared of losing those positions or scared of other people coming up through the ranks and taking those positions from them I guess that people were willing to do whatever they needed yeah, exactly. to. That, that's to what it was them. all about. I mean, even rival promoters used to, even at Victoria, you know, if one promotion, we used to have like one, like say, Brian there one week and then joint promotions there the next week or something like that. In the end, that's how we ended up doing alternative. And like, uh, posters used to get stripped down and things like that. It still has still happened. Yeah. yeah it's, and it's like, I'm very big on the fact that being competitive makes the business better, I think, rather than like one similar there, I don't watch a lot of American wrestling, but WWE have actually got the, you know, they have done for a few years, they've got the monopoly on everything and all that, and I think it makes it a bit boring sometimes, but now it's totally changed. I'm fant- I think it's great that I'm still working and I still see this happening, what's happening today with you guys and everything like that, to see that the talent, because we've always had the best talent, okay, like everybody says, we've always, I've seen lads come through and, you know, we taught the Americans here to wrestle, I think, properly, because, like, I know for certainty that when, like, the WWE come over and the, um, come on and do these big shows and that, I know for certainty that when they're on the buzz, buzz is going into places and travelling and all that, they'll have World of Sport tapes on, of people like Marty Jones and Rocco, Dynamite Kid, Johnny Saint, Jim Briggs. Jim Briggs was probably one of the best. I love Jim, Jim's one of my favourites. Yeah. If, I, I would say to anybody, if you want to work a character, whatever, <laughs> like, watch, Jim, favorites, yeah. watch Jim. But even with Johnny Saints, I mean, I know John Wallet, it's like, he's a fantastic guy and all that. But we had an abundance of lightweight stars, so world-class. Stevie Gray, Mike Flash Jordan, people like that. And Jimmy Briggs, we had the characters, the villains and all that. Like, you know, and I think sometimes even now we forget, like, about sometimes it should not be so much about the wrestling, but it should be more about the characters because like you know you can get away with doing the match less is more you've heard it before like you know and you've only got to look at guys like the guy well worked with you know last last tuesday and real james mason straight away there's a guy that if basically he's such an all-rounder and like he could have, he could have he, the british gate angle he could have a match with a, a broom and he'd still make him look good like you know and it's just a play i've worked with james before it's such a pleasure to work with him because like but there's a guy there as people say like, well, why has he been to Japan more? Why has he not been to the States and stuff like this, like that? It, I, I, I don't, I don't believe the fact that he hasn't been asked. But perhaps, like at the time, you know, he he wasn't ready ready to go or whatever, like. But this guy could have been a major star anywhere he wanted to, James. You know, because well, well, Pete, Pete speaks Pete speaks very highly about James, and we were talking about stuff the other day when um, I had a match with Pete in Chicago, and we were chatting afterwards and stuff like yeah, and. We name drop it now, I'll mention you on the <laughs> but, yeah, but yeah, we were speaking, and we ended up mentioning James, and he was ex- he was explaining something and using James as an example. Um, not going to go into it too much, what he said, but even like, like for example, Pete is, is considered by some as one of the best in the world now, yeah, of course, yeah. and and he still looks at people like James Mason and be like, everyone can learn off James, yeah, of course, James. yeah. Which, yeah. which speaks volumes for how good James mm-hmm. is. If people haven't seen his stuff, they need to go check it out. But, um, you know, he's such a pleasure to work with him. And uh, it's so easy to work with him and things like this. That. And um, what I'm saying is now we've got all this new, uh, you know, the WOS, they call it now. You know, so cool, it's yeah. obviously 
us old timers obviously will tell you that it's not world of sport because world of sport was a program. The wrestling was, was on a world segment, of yeah. And the people that a lot of people don't realise that. So it's not world of sport wrestling. It's so I think what they've done is I think they've been very crafty there by calling it WOS. People know what it stands for, but you don't call it world of sport anymore. Perhaps that was a decision they made after the last series, I'm not sure. But the the they pretty much say on the commentary and everything else, WOS like and all that. But even that I think is a great exposure for the lads at the moment. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's a lot of talented lads there. I was pleased I was pleased to see that one of my old uh, guys that I helped to get into the business and train a little bit before we went on to other things, uh, Robbie X. Yep. He started with me. Uh in uh, at one PW. It's uh Doncaster there. And it's great to see him there. there oh, he's, talents, he's one of the know? best in the country. Yeah. Like I, I've said yeah. this, like the boy moves like nobody I've ever yeah. seen before. I mean, I can't say I've taught him all that. Not <laughs> 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 the flips, just the way yeah. cartwheels yeah. and rolls. And but um, at the moment, what I'm saying is, like, I know I've brought everything up to date now. But it's like uh, with the wrestling's on TV at the moment, with you guys doing the WWE NXT and things like that, and the exposure the lads again. It's fantastic to see that all this can be done now. The way. You guys are getting that attention, you're getting that exposure and things like that. There's no doubt about the fact that people like Pete Dunne would be major stars. I mean, you can see that WWE are already moulding him into that like, you know what I mean? And if you've got the look, he's got the look, he's definitely got the look, he's got the, obviously he's got all the, the tools to do the job and things like that. And I just think it's fantastic that we are eventually now, it's like everything's turned full circle again, where all these guys are getting that recognition now and... Uh, I mean, you would have thought like a few years ago that guys like you'd be travelling from state to... A, a, British, a British promotion went out there, did it? Yep. A British promotion actually touring the States. Sold out most... Exactly. Five out of the six nights. And wrestling in like iconic like sort of venues like, you know, the ECW places and all that. And like, you know, that never would have happened. You know what I mean? But it's like we've gone now. We've turned full circle now. And we used to, we used to go through the 1990s. It was a terrible time. The tribute shows were coming and things like people used to dress well, up. Well, let's, let's, you know. talk, let's talk, we'll get on to that. Let's talk about that. But, like, did you, uh, when you were working joint, did you ever do TV for them when you were working for joint? I actually did, um, for Brian Dixon, I did two shows called Satellite Wrestling, which was the forerunner of, uh, not sat- yeah, Satellite Wrestling, it was the forerunner of Sky. Okay. Basically, what it was, it was cable TV and uh, it used to be called Screen Sport. Okay. Which turned into something else. I can't remember what it was, but that was with me in 1986, and uh, got asked to do it. And I did one from the Victoria Hall in Hamley, and I did one from a place called the Queen's Theatre in Burslem. And the first time they put me on a Hamley when we first, but with being cable TV, you got shown all around the world, but not so much in like uh, unless you got that actual satellite TV in this country. So like it probably got shown more all over the world than it did in England, but. Uh, so they decided to put me on with uh, my trainer in a chair, like a middle in his area championship. Yeah. And he just like, he's, he's there for everybody to see on YouTube if they want the kites and basically not very proud of the fact like of the match but just getting the shit kicked out of me for 20 minutes. The best part of the sh- the match was when it finished. <laughs> and, uh, Miss Newcastle on the line, uh, Peter Queen comes in, presents Wilkie with the flowers. I took him off it and wrapped him around his head. And that was the best ball to my match. And they cut it out. Oh, really? <laughs> the second, now the second match, I, I had a bit of a bad run with these screen sports because they put me in a tag team tournament 
this would be 1986. The very interesting thing about that is that um, Rocco wasn't on the bill that night, but he just come back from Japan that day. Whereas everybody knows, like a future wrestling fan, he was Black Tiger in Japan. Yeah. Like him, he was over massive, like with Tiger Mask and that. Uh, what people didn't realise, he brought a young Japanese wrestler to actually compete in the tag tournament that I was in. So I got introduced to him, this guy couldn't speak any English at all, and all that. he bowed to me and that. He was very young, he would have been in his early 20s at the time, if that. And uh, basically, he tagged with Iron Fist, Clive Myers. I tagged with the, the old middleweight champion, Brian Maxine. And my old nemesis there, Blondie Barrett, was tagging with uh, a guy named Rocky Moran. And uh, I forget the other tag. Oh, the other tag team was Wilkie and a guy named uh, the Punk Rocky. Chris McNeil from Birmingham. Yeah. So they had us all in for the Watsy Dike and the Japs got the kendo stick and this, that, the other. And you could tell straight away, whatever training he had, he was good. He was good and all that. Yeah. Um, and that guy that night, that was his first ever British appearance anywhere, right? And that guy became Thunder Liger. I knew you were going to say Liger. <laughs> I was like, it's definitely not Sammy Lee. I was like, it's no, not. No. So. Uh, he used to wrestle for Brian Dixon as Fuji Yamada. And I travelled with him quite a few times. And he used to, like, and he was so courteous, which most of the Japanese are, like, opening doors for you and all that. But he used to love having fish and chips. We used to travel everywhere. We'd stop at the chip and he used to love going in for fish and chips and things like that. Built, built too, was Yeah, he was small, yeah. very small, like, you know. And about two years ago or three years ago at PCW in Preston, I was doing a show there and I had a chance to meet him again after all them years. And I actually showed him a photograph of me in the ring with him at the beginning of this tag team tournament. I've got hair on it and he's like, obviously, he hasn't got the mask on that because he's, he's, he's very young in the photograph and that. And I said, that's me there. And he oh, and he's laughing. He's laughing his head off because obviously, like, you know, I've changed, I've changed a lot, like, you know, and... And a lovely guy, lovely guy who's been a tremendous worker, like, yeah, but uh, Fuji Amadi, who became Grishin Thunder Liger, yeah. Legend, absolutely. And I didn't realise it was him. I'd watched him for years with a mask, and somebody said, you know that is, don't you? That's, uh, that's Fuji Amadi, you used to like, with the chip you with. <laughs> so, like, fantastic, you know what I mean, yeah. So he's done, he's done brilliant, hasn't he, you know, and... Uh, and I used, to, I used to travel with people like, people like Dave Taylor when he was working for Dixon and people like that, Dave Taylor. Oh, Dave, Dave's hilarious. Great Dave's guy. so funny. Yeah, he's a lovely guy. So, But I'd just sit in the car and listen to all these people like when I was younger and that, you know, and uh, take everything in, you know. I mean, you know as much as me, the travelling's just as good as the rest oh, of yeah, sometimes. Yeah, it is. <laughs> sometimes it's better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I used to like to travel and uh, it, it didn't bother me now. It's like people say to me when I go out for the day somewhere or go somewhere, don't drive all that way, do you? Yeah, that's the wrestling thing, isn't it? doesn't bother me to go anywhere and drive. I'll drive up 200 miles and come back the same day. Like I'll drive for wrestling, but if I, if I can get away with uh, not driving any other part of my life, I'll do oh, right. it. Yeah. Oh, I love, I love driving. I always have done, yeah. Always have done, yeah. But like I say, you know, I, I was trying to establish, establish myself like as... Uh, and then, like, I, I'd go back to I'd go back to Brian again, like, stay with Brian for a bit, like, and, uh, and then independent shows come along and things like that and obviously local shows and things but then the best thing that ever happened to me is the first time that I worked with Villa or you call, you call it heel <laughs> whatever like you know because I love to be the villain I love to be the one that everybody shouts so how long you so you were like you were a blue eye or a baby face they say. when I first started yeah, I would have been how for about long? something two years three years and then like after that basically uh, I, 
can't even remember the first time I would have like started working with it. It might have been some sort of feud with somebody or whatever. Uh, but I know I started doing it very early with a guy, God bless him, he's only just recently passed away. A Welsh referee named Dave Rees. He used to wrestle on, uh, used to referee on World of Sport. He did the John Quinn versus, what's he fight? Big Danny fight? What's he? He's, the, he's the referee that comes in when the one gets knocked in. Yeah. And he's recently passed away, but he, he started a promotion called Combat Promotions. And we used to, he used to run all around Wales and everywhere. And uh, he changed my name. Really? He, yeah, he, he called me uh, Bruiser Brannigan. So I worked at Bruiser Brannigan for, for him for combat promotions, and I was a heel. Mm. So basically, like, you know, I, I used to love working heel because you can get away with murder, like, you know, things like that. And I just love being that. Perhaps when I was a bit younger, when I didn't look like this, you know, okay, blue eye, whatever, but I look, I look like a bad guy. I look like a heel. And to me, I don't have to do many expressions to get it over, if you know what I mean. Yeah, like, yeah. With, a face, with a face like this. I've got a face only more than could love, like, you know what I mean? So... Basically, that helped me a lot. That helped me a lot, like, you know, but, but I always liked being, even when I was younger, I always liked being the old school heel, the cheesy heel. Yeah. The guy that, yeah, the punches in the crowd used to go, oh, he's horrible, he is, but, like, he's a bit of a, what's he like, a bit of a rogue, like, you know, you can see, I can see something good in him. Too. That's also the way they describe it, like, almost like a carry-on villain. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, and I, I, you know, I'd, I'd, bring a little bit of a, I'd bring a little bit of comedy into it as well, perhaps, like, a bit of things. A bit of cheek with the, with the punters, you know, a bit of verbals with the punters, because you've got to get them involved, you know what I mean? You've got to get them involved, that's what it's all about. That's what I like to see today, if people are working the punters, working the punters, bring them up, take them down again, bring them up again. You know, I'm, what's he done? I love just to do that, wrestling is an art, wrestling is an art, you know, the people who say to me, people say to me, yeah, but you know, it's not real, it's not real, it's choreographed, it's this, that, and the other, and I'll say, well, let me tell you one thing, I said, you go, you go to the cinema to watch a film, and they'll say, yeah, yeah, he says, we go, um, we go watch films, and I said, yeah, we watch Mission Impossible, Tom Cruise, I said, yeah, I said, for them two hours, I said, do you enjoy the film, do you think it's real, he says, yeah, we do, I says, Tom, Tom Cruise might do a lot of his own stuff. I said, but that's not real, I says. I said, but what, what happens is, you see, you get that engrossed in it and you're that entertained. I said, I said, so just think about it like that. That you come to a show, you enjoy yourself. We do get hurt. We do get like a, bad, a lot of bad injuries. I said, but wrestling is an art. I said, there's no, nothing else like it in the world. No other feeling like it in the world, you know. I said, well, an actor, he might get big millions of pounds, things like that. So when they say cut, that's it, like cut, they can go out and do what they want. It says, us wrestlers are on the road and we're travelling back from somewhere, going to work the next day. The punters don't see all that. They just see the character that's in the ring at the time. I said, so what, what you've got to think of is like, when you come to a wrestling show, you're there to be entertained. And after them two hours, you suspend the belief, you suspend everything like, you know what I mean? It says, and that's what we are. With the, the actors, the tumblers, the clowns. That's what Max Crabtree called it. When he came off the TV, he did an interview, he says, we're actors, we're tumblers, we're clowns. That's great, that's we're a great line. It's a fantastic line. And I've always remembered what he said about that, and I think to myself, we are, we're in there somewhere. We're all in there somewhere. And uh, it's just fantastic today that the actual, how things are sort of involved in all that. It's like, you know, if I retired tomorrow, I'd be happy enough with the state of British wrestling at the moment and that and, and guys like you what you're doing and everything I mean you must be good because my wife likes you she'll like you <laughs> she doesn't like wrestling 
Shane's wrestling because like she's wrestling with over thirty five years. Yeah. And you know, she's seen she, you know, she's seen the sheds she's seen the best and she's seen the sheds as well, like and there's been some shit with the best and I've worked with the worst. But I've always known my role in wrestling. I've always known my role. No matter what other people say or whatever, right? I know what my role was in wrestling, right? And it doesn't matter whether you call it uh, if it was a boxer, you'd be a journeyman. Today they call it a jobber. That might be a bit too strong a word, I don't know, but I've always been in there. Enhancement talents or whatever. I've been quite happy to be the guy that gets in there with a star and make him look a star. The only thing I ever wanted is a match is to get me little bits in. Once I got my little bits in, I was quite happy. Right, to put the guy, you know, whatever. And that, that's what I've always thought. I thought I think it's always a, I'll be in good good stead. Well, I think that's how everyone should look at yeah. it. Though I, I feel yeah. that if your job is any, your everyone should have that job of going in there and thinking to themselves, I'm going to go in there and make the person I'm wrestling look better than they've ever looked before. And I think if your opponents aiming to do the exact same, you're going to have a storm over them. Exactly. I think, yeah. I think that's. Uh, I think I've that's never true. said you think I'm any better than anybody else or anything like that. I've been quite happy in the. Like, I, I love to sit in the dressing room, Al, and, you know, you get some guys sitting in the dressing room and some of them are quite ignorant, won't speak to you, and I'll be the first person to go, pleased to meet you, I'm Keith like, you know, and, you know, you've got some guys that like not, not wanting to know, but, you know, 99.9% of the guys are okay, but, like, then if they've got a match with you, sometimes what, what they think is, like, you know, well, he's not a man, like, you know, and this, that, the other, that. And um, sometimes you find it different in there, like, you know, and... Because let's be honest about it, if you talk to a guy in that dressing room and he's like, you know, he's a bit, so, you know, when you get in the ring, it could be a lot different. So you've got to protect yourself at all times and things like that. So what they don't realise is the fact that, yeah, I've got a little bit of a background in like sort of looking after myself and things like that. I'm not the, I'm not Bruce Lee, I'm not what's it, anything like that. But sometimes they come out of the ring and they like tied up a bit like amateur wise and things, not like a punch in the face and all that. What was that for? Like, well, there you go. Well, you talked about uh, the 90s and the tribute shows. Like so you were around uh, when it came off the TV. Yeah. Do you yeah. remember when it came off the TV and do you remember kind of seeing the houses change and get less when it came off the TV? And Well, basically, everybody knows the story about Greg Dyke. He said he wasn't pulling the figures in at the time. He was executive at the, the television programme and all that. What happened was they changed the slot, didn't they, a few months before, say a year before, from four o'clock in the afternoon they showed the wrestling, just before the football results would come on, like after the wrestling. So people had been out that day, they'd done the shopping, they got in, yeah, and they got in to watch the wrestling because they knew it was at that time, then everybody was mad on the football. They knew the football results were coming after that, they would have the tea while they were watching it or whatever. Yeah. So then they changed to one o'clock in the afternoon for so long and people were out and that, the green figures went down a bit. But... Basically what happened is, it's a shame really, is the fact that, uh, being a bit politically, I'm not usually on that, but like, Brian Dixon got the TV about something like 12, 18 months before it came off, and he was putting matches on that were quite like, villain versus villain, things like that, there was Rocco against Nagasaki and things like that, New, newer faces than what had been on years ago and things like that, and uh, people were thinking, oh this is okay, like, because they've been sort of fed Big Daddy for a long time, and nothing against Big Daddy, one of the greatest like, guys in the wrestling, you know. It was moving with the times, wasn't it? Was it was moving with the times, and I think joint promotion wasn't moving with the times. So basically, we saw, like, some of these younger wrestlers, people like Kevin McCoy, fantastic. Yeah. Like, he would have been a major star. 
easily like you know and people were going like oh these guys are, these guys are good but we've never seen them on TV before and it's only lasted so long but I think if Brian would have got the the TV on his own I think we could have actually liked that a few more years perhaps and things like that because I, I like shows that Brian did because he wasn't he wasn't ashamed to put like uh, wrestling matches matches yeah. that basically you know you know, like Rocco against Quinn sporting like contest yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. He wasn't, he wasn't to Facebook stuff on like that, and we didn't get spoon fed all the other stuff like that because he did get a bit wary towards the end of that. But uh, then what happened is when he first used to come off the TV, it didn't affect it as much because the characters were already sort of like known, weren't they, establishing that? So people still used to go, and then he hit the early 90s where he went really bad. And because what happened is like Hulk Hogan came along, Satellite TV came along, uh, Sky came along. He was showing like WrestleManias and things like that. And the first time Hogan wrestled was it against the Iron Sheik, was it something like 83, something like 84. All of a sudden, there was a massive, like, all these characters in America were like big names. In big like stadiums that. as big well. Big stadiums, it was all razzmatazz and things like that. And so basically, what happened there was like, uh, all of a sudden, the British wrestling was sort of pushed aside a bit. Um, and I think it's fact, that definitely affected it when it came off the TV. But like, people still, you know, people still go around the halls doing the playing the trade and things like that and that. and then but what used to happen then is because like when a bit of the older figures like sort of drifted out that well no names is uh, people came people came into the business that shouldn't, shouldn't have been in the business because basically like you know they weren't trained properly or things like that the old guard left yeah, and there was yeah. nobody to protect and, it yeah I think I think basically that's what happened and so like and then you get like it still happens today where promoters get um They'll put the mate on the show and uh, is, is he really ready and things like that. Well, that's the like, thing is, is, it's not, it's not so much that like people coming in who should be on in the sense like every, everyone can has a chance to wrestle and you yeah. said that yourself. But it comes down to I've been there myself. I've been in the ring with people who I know for a fact have not been trained properly. Yeah, and and that does hurt the business. It's not as simple as uh, okay, come and wrestle. And the the term that's getting thrown around at the moment, which I I but I I believe believe is correct everyone's like everyone's welcome they are everyone doesn't matter your colour your skin doesn't matter your sexual orientation doesn't matter where no, you come no. from everyone is welcome to come and give wrestling a go no but but where I draw the line is you have to be willing to go in and put in the hard work put in the training put in the craft right, yeah. and 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 learn the craft and learn to protect it and learn to and learn to do it and I think some people are coming in still at this point now and you would have, you've seen over the years people coming in who are people's mates who yeah, are just being brought into yeah. but they yeah. want they wanna they they like the idea of being a wrestler more than they like being a wrestler. So they aren't willing to put in the time and the exactly, effort yeah. and the, yeah. the days on the the days in the gym and the, and and the not, time on the road. That's not fair on the on the lads who do do put the time in, do put the effort in and things like that. And you know that other people might get chances because of they've got friends in the business and it I mean, but I've always I've always said if you're talented enough it'll get yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely, yeah. But um, in the 90s, when the tribute shows came in and all that, it, it was quite a bad time for wrestling. So ex explain, I know what they are, but for anyone who doesn't know what they are, explain. Well, basically what, what was happening is because, like, a lot of the wrestling shows were pulling many punters at the time, the different promoters would, like, cash in on the fact that they, they'd get something like a lookalike or somebody with a similar name to American wrestler or a tribute to American wrestler. So there's no, Brit there's no British stars anymore because they'd left. Yeah. They're, so, you know, they're just so, catching on the, on the American Well, there's still a few about, but like not as many, you know, but even some of the British stars then would like do tribute shows and things like that. 
And uh, I think the only thing I could have done at the time is a fat Steve Austin. <laughs> <laughs> but like guys who dress up as The Undertaker and Kane and that. And don't get me wrong, I mean, the promotions did good business. Like, they did good business. But like, it was never, I don't think it was ever proper uh, professional wrestling, a vicious wrestling. I think a lot of people got like hoodwinked into the fact that if the young kids, you think that they're the real people. Like, you know, I did a show at um, Wrexham, t- uh, Wrexham Memorial Hall many years ago and they advertised The Undertaker there and they got a picture of Mark. Can't I need to like, you know, so everybody, it was packed, absolutely packed. This guy come out dressed like him, he was about three foot six and about uh, oh, ten no. stone like, you know, and everybody was banging on the doors and that, and the promoter turned around and said, uh, you've only paid five pound a ticket to get in tonight, if you want to go see the real undertaker, you'll have to pay fifty pound at the end, and then you see him behaving him. And I thought, well, that's not really right though, is it, like, you know, it's false advertising and yeah, stuff like that, like, you know, and then people, but I always look at it like this, as yeah, okay, a lot of promoters have got different tricks and up sleeve and this, that and the other, but then, then people never go to another wrestling show again. No. No. It's a bit of an insult, really, like, you know, but it, it, don't get me wrong, he did, he did keep a lot of lads in, uh, in work in the 90s, like. The it allowed it to allow British wrestling yeah. to float along, didn't it? Exactly, yeah. yeah, and then it picked up again towards the end of the, what's it, into the millennium and things like that. I mean, it's always been there, you know, we've always had good wrestlers, we've always had shows and stuff like that, because... But the only thing is, once you come off the TV, no exposure's gone. No There's no stars to be made. You could have put like a poster out with Joe Blogs versus Bill Smith, and people wouldn't know who they were. Like, yeah. you know, he might as well have done that because you know, if you'd have put something like, and then you, you'd go to a show which was run by somebody that got like lads on who were, like can't do can't do the business, like you know, and like I think it's a shame that like, they haven't seen the true art of professional wrestling because like they've gone to a show like that and say. It's crap, like we're never going again, type thing, yeah. Uh, it turns them off a lot, yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. But like I say, I didn't say um, I was still doing shows in the 90s and things like not so many, but still doing shows. I mean, I remember working for joints right up to 93, 94, and then it changed into uh, Ring Wrestling Stars, I think it was called. And uh, but then by then, like you know, sort of Shirley Daddy's Day and things like that, and um. Unfortunately, that's that's what happens. That, but I, I believe like everything goes around in a circle. Like, and it has, it has now because just I'm quite happy at the moment to be involved at my time of life, like my age now, sort of still to be involved in shows and to be on some shows that are perhaps are decent shows as well. I I, I don't mind like you know I, I was doing some stuff like the last couple of years for. A promotion in Liverpool called T- TNT. Yeah. Have you heard that? Jay Acton. Yeah, I'm guy. on there. Sure. He, said he had me there. He had me there a couple of times and that. And we were doing a bit of our course. I don't mind, you know, getting stuck in. Yeah. Bit, like, you know what I mean? I, I've done quite a bit of that over, over the time. You know, I mean, one PW days, like, I used to do, like, survival of the sickest matches and all that. Missus used to go mad, like, you know. <laughs> me, me and, you know, me head bleeding, me and sticks going through a table, like, you know, at the end. And, uh, yeah, believe it or not. And, uh that was an interesting chapter. It was like the one PW days well, as well. Yeah. I think it was. That was my. That was my. Uh, my first export. My first real exposure to British wrestling. That was because mm. like they got the Wrestling Channel and they were on there, and FWA was on there yeah. as well. Mm. Did you work for FWA when? Uh... No, the only time I worked for FWA was when they had the cross promotional thing, and I forget who, who the other promotion was, but I did. I did a show for them then. That was under that sort of banner. Yeah, but that was the only time I ever worked for them. But. The, the old story with the, the one PW in Doncaster. I mean, they used to put these shows at the Doncaster Dome, which is like quite a big venue. Yeah. 
and uh, some of the matches that they put on would never ever be anywhere else in the world. You know, it was yeah, some of them like Steve Carino against the best in the like uh, they were they, yeah, like, they piqued my interest. I wanted to go see them. But when I first got on board with the the promoter name was Stephen Gauntley. I think he ran a shop in Doncaster, like a video shop and game shop and that and. I think he used to fund the promotion through that originally. Like, was he just a big wrestling fan? Massive wrestling fan, yeah. Um, but I got the chance to get, I got asked to go along like, would I be some sort of like, uh, I suppose you call it agent now and that, look after everybody backstage, things like that. In view to like, you know, I was I was still a wrestler, but like this was another, another sort of vote. Screen to your vote, yeah. Like, yeah. And I thought, no problem at all. So I used to, I used to like, Get to mix with all the lads who come over from America, Canada, Japan, and all that. And I knew who they all were and all that. Some of them were great guys, some of them not so great, like, you know. Uh, but after after a bit now, a lot of people might not know who this is, but like, uh, compared to a lot of people, he's not a massive name, but obviously the ECW days, things like that. I have to say, one of the nicest days I've uh, met, that was easy, guys I've ever met, was Jerry Lynn. Well, Jalen's fantastic. I've never yeah. met him, but one of the huge fans. I have to say, he's one of the nicest guys and the best, and people are really nice, cool guys, and that. Um, I remember listening to, uh, I think it might have been him on, might be on Cock Commander's podcast, it might have been, and he speaks, and he said the one thing he always prided himself on was you'd have promoters crop up uh, who were new to the business, and people would say, oh, you can double your wage, you can triple your wage, yeah. mm-hmm. like this rinse and print. And he always said to himself, he's like, no, I'd rather. No matter who you are, I'd rather stick to it, get myself a job, and have as a regular thing on That's the right, yeah. and try to mm-hmm. like run them into the ground. And I, I've, I've been there and been on shows where people have charged double, triple because they know they get it. And that's something that he's always said that I've always, yeah. I've always mm-hmm. kept. Two good bands, so, exactly. Yeah, like, so yeah. I've, I've always yeah. tried to keep that in mind. So that, to me, I always, when hearing that, made me always think that Jalen was a good guy. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, but people, people used to come over and they did used to take advantage of the facts and things like that. Uh, but he would put like super shows on it and nobody was putting these super shows on like even like the the what's it side of it production side of it things like that he was in the big Doncaster Dome a WWE ring and this all these stars were there and everything like and uh, it's fantastic just to be involved and one of the funny stories was like I did wrestle a few times for OPW as well but one of the funniest things was when uh, Rick Flair came over and I hadn't met him at the time I'd never met him before and they were doing a Q&A with him, and uh, the guy that was looking after him uh, backstage wasn't told what time the Q&A started, so Flair's backstage, like, wondering what, what he's doing, and uh, somebody said, Keith, go see if you can find Rick Flair. Well, you know, I don't get many pinch-me pinch moments, like, <laughs> you know, but as I walked through the curtain to go backstage, I nearly knocked him over. <laughs> he's standing there waiting to come out. And he's there, he's got the suit, the Rolex and everything. I bumped into him and said, I'm out so sorry. I said, pleased to meet you. My name's Keith. He said, pleased to meet you. I'm Ric Flair. And this little light went on the head. I thought, I know who you are, man. I know who you are. <laughs> and uh, he did the Q&A and everything. And at night time, he made an appearance at the show. And he had a big banner around the ring at the show before advertising him and that. Because... Gauntley always used to spend a lot of money on production and things like that, so everything looked so pristine and that. So they had an auction that night that Flair was there and said, whoever, whoever like, get, raises the, the most money bids enough money to uh, get to meet Ric Flair backstage. It was my job to, to take the guy backstage to meet Ric Flair. So um, what happened was he bid £300 for the banner. 
So he's got the bandit, so he can get inside. I said, come with me. So I had met Flair early in that night again, like, you know, I said to him, remember me, I nearly got chilled, like, and really nice guy. What what you see on TV is what you see. It's, uh, he, he, lives, he lives the character, like, you know. And anyway, basically, like, I took this guy back and I said, Rekha says this guy has won the competition tonight, like, and this, that, the other. He got the banner in his hand. And he says, uh, do, you, do you want me to sign it for you, buddy? He said, yes, please. And he just stared at Ric Flair. Didn't say many things, like, he just staring at him in, in awe of him, like, you know. In awe. In awe of him, like, yeah. So Ric Flair got down on his hands and knees, which was hard at the time. Like, he got dodgy knees, and he put best wishes, Ric Flair, and he put a big, woo, on, he put 16 times world champion. Because he always does that, like, 16 times world champion, Ric Flair, woo. Gets back up, but tentative off his hands and knees, gets back up again. He says, is that okay for you? And he says, can you put me another woo? <laughs> Flair gets down on his hands and knees again. Woo! Is that okay for you? He says, thank you, Rick. And he just took Rick Flair by the head and kissed him on his forehead. <laughs> and I said, I'll never forget that, like, you know, and all the lads in the restroom just, like, looking and laughing and everything, like, you know. But Flair was brilliant. Brett Hart was great. You know, it was nice to meet all these guys and that. Hey everyone, just want to take a minute from a conversation week to talk to you about our sponsors, Pins and Knuckles Merchandise. Pins and Knuckles Merchandise was formed in 2009 and it was founded by toy musicians who'd spent many years working with companies and just not achieving the results they desired as a band. Because of this, Pins and Knuckles was created with the aim to provide high quality merchandise to bands, artists and wrestlers alike. And do you know what? They nailed it. If you're looking for the best place to get t-shirts printed, stickers flags, embroidery, DTG, sublimination printing, they do it all. Tom, Shannon, Dan and the rest of the team are doing a great job and you know what, it's exactly where I get all my stuff from and I think that's where you should get your stuff from too. And because of the guys over at Pins and Knuckles Merchandise, I'm able to keep this podcast absolutely free this month. So if you're looking for a best place to get yourself printed, maybe you're in a band, maybe you're a wrestler or hell, maybe you're everything in between then head over to pinsandknucklesmerchandise.com and check them out today. Better yet, they also offer free delivery to the UK and Europe. Big thanks, Pins and Knuckles. You've tore it apart. And then during that time, I was doing like stuff like that. And I was quite happy to be doing that because I wasn't getting hurt to the ring or anything. And I was still getting paid. And uh, I started doing a bit of security around the ring and stuff. And I was... Got on quite well with the best and Steve Carino and people like that. And I used to, um, with the best, I used to hide his, like, his pins for the end of the match and stuff like that. And at one time he says, where's my pins? And somebody moved him. He's like, I'm security by the ring. I'm going, I don't know. I says, like, they were there, they were there, like, you know, he's drawing pins. They were there and he's getting mad by now, like, you know. And I managed to get them, I said, they're over there by the other corner, you know, things like that. He's a big guy to piss off and he's like, you know. Nice uh, guy, though. Oh, lovely yeah, guy. Lovely. lovely fella, lovely fella, yeah. And uh, some some of the stuff I witnessed there, I, I was I don't know if it's still on YouTube now, but I was one of the guys when Abyss was on with uh, Old Furman, and he set fire to Old Furman. Yeah. Put him through a table. I was the first guy in the ring that put him out with the buckets, but I actually put him out before Abyss pinned him. So you'll see me running in, but because once it was on fire, Old Furman's on fire. My first thought was put him out. He's gonna get hurt here. So I put him out. Through that, through the bucket of water over him, like you know, over over his back, 
And the bitch is just staring at me, waiting to penny like, and I thought I'm getting out quick. So you see me get out of the ring quick again. Then he pins him and like, yeah, well, I thought he, he was better to game. He, yeah, game out, yeah, of he did, uh, he, he did burn his back as well, like, you know, great things like that. And uh, Christian came in for one night, flew in, flew out, back to Canada again, and stuff like that. And many happy memories. And then they had like a little angle where um, a wrestling from Scotland named Darkside. I heard of him, but great guy, great guy, great worker. Uh, we we got like a little angle going with him, me, and he, he would say like most nights he was dressing there. He'd see me at ringside and say, "You again, are you old man?" And this, that, and the other, and that you shouldn't be anywhere near the wrestling anymore. Your days are gone, and things like this, like you know. And he used to show after show and that, and the punter started getting a bit. Keith, you need to lock it, you know, and. Basically, we'd be face to face, you know, and things when he came out and that, he pushed me about and that. But it was announced that I couldn't do anything because I wasn't an active wrestler with the promotion. So basically, I was a security man and I shouldn't touch him and things like that. Till um, what happened was one night I actually got in the ring to him face to face, and uh, that was the night Old Bastard was born because. He turned round and he said to me, you're nothing but an old bastard. And then he turned away and I slapped him and like beat down and this and that. And he went into a match. Big crowd reaction? Yeah, massive, massive. And basically that's how the old bastard came about, old bastard Keith Might. Because that one particular incident, like, you know what I mean? And I did quite well on t-shirts. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not a rich guy, but I, I saw a little bit, little bit of an opening. The lads were selling t-shirts. And I thought, I said to him, where'd you get yours from? So I said, you pay so much for that. I'll see how these go in. They're quite, they're quite good. Ones. Yeah, so there was a little, uh, little opening. But to work with James, Darkside, and I worked again with him on, he used to do shows called, um, they were like, no, they went to Canada shows, weren't they? Underground shows, they called. And I, did, I did quite a few of them. And I was asked to be the actual trainer, the head trainer as well, at the school. That's where Robbie came through and different people. And, um, but what happened was, is because Stephen was putting so much money into it, he was virtually like having to borrow money and stuff like that and it's crazy crazy stuff and that and when he got to the underground shows he used to like sort of bring academy lads on and he used to say to me we're going to have to put such and such on like you know to save money we don't have to pay him as much and I used to say to him Stephen they're not ready you're not ready but you, you know to get notice mm. so basically like he used to put lads on and then like the the indie darlings what they call the, the bunters what they call them like you know they like, oh, we're not having this, this, that, and the other one. They, they don't get on the internet and all that. But, you know, I never used to buy it back, but, I mean, it wasn't my decision to put them guys on. But, unfortunately, what used to come out of it is this guy was trained by Keith Myers. Mm. And that did a lot of harm, like, you know. We came out in the book eventually. Uh, that Somebody wrote a big book about one PW days. And a lot of people didn't realise the fact that I put a stop on it. Guys used to come to me and say to me, like, Keith, I've been offered another job from another promotion. I'll say, well... I want some advice. I said, well, you're not ready to go to any promotion at the moment. Like, you know, but I couldn't stop them. They went to the contract, I think. So, I they them. Mind, yeah. so they'd go anyway. But, I mean, it didn't help the career. It didn't help the career in the end, like, you know. But when you see guys like uh, Robbie coming through, and you had a guy at the time called Gary Player as well, so he went to the old golfer. And he was very, very talented, Gary was, but they pushed him too, too far too quick. And uh, but after I speak to him even now, and I say, you know, you, you could have had a could have had a cracking career, like, you know, and so loves the wrestling, but, you know, uh, but that's how it was, and uh, 
But I managed to get my documentary out tonight as well. They did a documentary on me and followed me around and things like that. I haven't seen this. I haven't seen it? No. no. All right. On YouTube? Well, if you want, yes, on YouTube. If What's you it called? So everyone just called Keith. Just as it's 26 minutes of your life <coughs> and never get back again. So do I just type in Keith Myatt documentary? Keith Myatt documentary, yeah. Oh, I'll give yeah, us a look. Yeah. Yeah, everyone else should go have a look at the guy, The guy that's actually uh, made it is a guy named Brent, Brendan Doherty who'd worked in film and media and things like that. And we were lucky enough to put this together. Just follows my story as, uh, I think at the time I was 48, a story of like uh, at the training school, travelling around doing jobs apart from one PW, but it's a big super show, super show coming. Is it the build? Is the build up to you and Doc? It's the build up to me and Doc. No, that wasn't the the watch at the time. It's the build up for me to try get on the the super show. What they had AJ Styles on, they had this that, the other. And I was like, uh, I was pushed down onto the afternoon show, where I wrestled one of my students, like and things like that. And uh, it's like the disappointments of not doing on the show, even though like behind the scenes I really worked on the on one of the shows. <laughs> so yeah, you know, this was all for the yeah. the video, like yeah. But like you know. And he did, he did really well, and Brendan said to me one day, he says, it's won a sort of regional award. He says, if we get down another couple of venues like that, we could be going somewhere to one of these uh, film arts. It's like, oh, that's fantastic. Funny, like, yeah. So I was really chuffed about that, and it's like, I look, I look back at it now, and it's like, it's a, it's a documentary of a wrestler, whether it be me or anybody, of a hundred wrestlers, a thousand wrestlers out there, of their journey, like, and uh, what it's like to be, I'd be travelling about somewhere, and then having to go to work the next day, and that. And the only thing they said at one time, so oh, we need to we need to do a bit of film. It's only your wife and that, and that was no no like, you know, because she did. No, well, I, I said no before. Nah, you like, it, you I didn't want you know because like, separate. Yeah, it was a bit all like bleeping and swearing words. <laughs> that's that <laughs> is very true, my friend. <laughs> Especially from Marvin. I know anyway. she listens to this. Yeah, so I know. No. She's uh, she's lovely to be fair, but uh, as I said, uh, daughter-in-law of a butcher doesn't mean to yeah, yeah. yeah. So basically, like you know, that was another part. That was another part of me uh, professional career that I enjoyed because I like a lot of the back backroom stuff as well. I like it, you know. I, I was fortunate enough, like I joined the parts with having a face like this, like an extra, like an acting thing as yeah. well. Got a few parts to do like fight scenes and things. Oh like. really? Actually got involved with like choreographing a couple of fight scenes as well for That's little cool. students' films and things like that. Like you know, so I love to do stuff like that. I, I did one where I played a gypsy fighter in a film, and like I used to watch the guys being filmed from behind the camera as well, and I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Like you know, I ended up in a fight scene for about thirty seconds with a guy that used to named Ricky Grover, and he used to be on the EastEnders for quite a while. And he plays a comedy character named Buller, B-U-W-L-A, he's on, mm-hmm. the, he's on the internet. Now. If you saw his face, you know him, mm-hmm. Ricky Grover, yeah. He's in a few other things as well, like, you know. So I've got a chance to do, like, the bit, I'd love to be involved in that bit of acting and that. It's, I'd like to do quite a bit more stuff like that, things like that. So the wrestling has given me, like, it's given me some fantastic money. Not a lot of money. Definitely not a lot of money. <laughs> not going to tell lies about that. Yeah, you know I mean, you'll never be a millionaire being a wrestler unless you go to the states and you sort of like WWE stuff like that. But the money, if anything, uh, wrestling owes me money. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah, but true. that's never bothered me because I've done stuff in the last thirty-five years. Other people haven't done it, so it's like my memories are worth more than money and things like that. And I never thought, even though I still enjoy me wrestling, up to about four years ago, right? I, I still enjoy going out there. I still enjoy performing. I've got a local promotion. Pro wrestling for you, Phil Woodbine down in Stoke. There. Yeah, I've worked there. You know, Fantastic guy. Great guy. He always looks after me. Like, and then sometimes I say to him, you only look after me because I'm old. He said, no, sir, we love you. We love you. And I've become a good guy again with local promotions and things like that. 
Steve Saxon at uh, Britannia Wrestling done quite a few for him in North Wales. Yeah, I went back to Steve as well. Yeah, and uh, he's always been good to me and things like that. But four years ago, something happened, which I would put, of all the guys I've been on from world champions to everything, it's been the most enjoyable part of my life. It's been the last four years. I've actually done old school with Blondie Barrett because we have had so much fun together. And it's been, we've been... Uh, Working for PWL there, uh, Matt Pearl there, Mad Dog Max. Yeah. Lots to thank him for for the show he's like that he's put us on. Uh, and I've known Blondie for years. Blondie was always known as like you know he's a world of sport wrestler, very famous for five years for being Kendo Nagasaki's tag. There's partner. sequences nowadays that people still call the Blondie Barrett yeah, and stuff that's like right, that. Yeah. And basically he was on he was on what we call top, meaning like top of the bill. For five solid years with Nagasaki going around the halls, and some of the stuff they were doing was like those police calls at shows, and then they, it just went off. It just went off. You got me in that situation to know yeah. that you've done a good job when people calling the police on you, like you know. And so basically, what happened was we were both having took this idea came up of the old school, and it started off just as I had tagged with him before occasionally, but we never. It was just like Keith Martin and Blondie Barrett, and uh, then what happened was. We started working for Matt and they put us put us together like and I can't tell you how much it's like enjoyable and rejuvenated these last four or five years have been because it's something that we've been put together and it's something we've never done before, like, you know, is is in other tag teams that were obviously it was kind of like his tag part. I've had tag partners over the years, but different one. Never had I mean like I tag with my son there, Ryan like it shows like Ryan in the best it's like. Uh, we do a thing called the Myatt Legacy. Um, obviously, I did the stuff with Roughneck. So, I've only had, ever had two other tag teams I've had, like, a, f- a few times together, or, yeah. like, regularly, like, you know. But with, with Blondie, it's, like, been quite regular. And uh, just, like, so much fun. And we, we've been we've been heels. We've been, like, faces. We've done a lot. We've worn dresses. We've done... We do everything. Bob is the creative guy behind it. He's one of the ideas. He says... I've got these hats for us. I've got this for us. I've got that. I just wear them. <laughs> but I'm the guy on the mic. I, I'm the one that does the talking. Does all the insulting people and things like that. But we've got video outtakes. Of yeah, yeah, yeah. We can't even get through. We can't even get through videos without laughing and things like this. Just like, chemistry. You know, promos. Just, yeah. And like, and even it was nice that somebody as long as much as Blondie's been well travelled and whatever. Forty-one years in the business, so he enjoys this as much as anything that he's. Oh, that's great. And like, long may continue. Last last week. I won't give her ages away because I already told you earlier on. But last week, me and Blondie were in the main events for All Star Wrestling at Real Town Hall against James Mason and Dean Allmark. And so that doesn't come much better for us, like, you know, and the heat was off the charts, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm still loving it. I'm still enjoying it, like, you know, I, I get times now where basically I'll say I've had enough and I'll go to work the next day, I'm aching and like, I haven't had much sleep and all that. Then after a couple of days, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, old blood, the old blood starts to, but you know, and, and yeah, I just can't say how much like we've enjoyed the old school stuff because me and Blondie like both daft as brushes. We both both like like each other's company and stuff. I mean, we go to Benidorm, we meet up in Benidorm, we have a few pints. But what's happened now is with the old school is we can do all the funny stuff, we can do all the videos and stuff like that because like people look at and say yeah, or they'll say well, when are you doing, when are you doing a video again, a video again, this that the other like you know and. Uh, we just, he loves to create stuff like that, and he'll, he'll say, shall we wear this? I mean, we walked into Real Town all last Tuesday with these hats on, like pilot's hats and leather jackets. It's like a throwback from something else. What's it called? Um, 
What was that film in? They were in the blue in the gay blue oyster club or something. Oh, police academy. Police academy. We were like two people at the police academy that walked in. We got these hats on, and you can imagine like how I look. Yeah. One who does like yeah. leather jackets on, like you know, and we playing these up to the crowd, like and everything, and just fantastic. Mm. And hopefully, long may continue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, this, I like the fact that I, you know. I love the comedy side of it as well. I think, you know, if I was to give any advice to anybody going in the business now, and he was to go in the business to learn everything. If you won't be a, a bad guy, just don't be a bad guy. Good guy. Sometimes you don't get that chance, you're told what you need to yeah. do. You know what I mean? Yeah, I was years ago. You, you didn't get that chance. Well, I'm going to do that. No, you're not going to do that. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what your name is as well. You know what I mean? I've had that many name changes over the, over the years. And, um, I'm probably one of the old few wrestlers at the moment that actually works under their own name, real name. Oh, I don't know, there's quite, there's quite a few. I think so, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, Paul Mike Hitchman, Mark Andrews. Yeah. Well, a few yeah. years ago, it used to be everybody got a everyone name. Had, yeah, everyone, everyone got a moniker, like, yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. But any, any advice I give today is that just to learn everything you can about every, every possible thing, like, you know, from working like a comedy match or whatever. That's where the camps used to come in so useful because, like, you worked on the camps. There's some of the... Even Brian Danielson at the time, he worked on the camps for all story and like, some of the best times of his life were on the camps. And well, his, he his, so much. His, his act that he does now yeah, is exactly, just, a, just yeah. a turned up version of... Yeah, and like if a guy's like that, they're turning around the scene, like, that's good enough to work there. And obviously the camps have changed now from what they were. Mm-hmm. I mean, the camps are like in massive big places now. Apart from the, I used to do some right dingy camps, but now they're in big places. Like the Butlins are massive. Yeah, places, he was you know, like, people, yeah. yeah. Uh, at one time, people say, "Oh, with camps like yeah, but the camps such great learning grounds. Still love them. Great learning grounds, yeah. And so, uh, you know, learn learn as much as you can about stuff like that. But also, like, watch a lot of wrestling as well because you can learn so much from watching wrestling. And don't copy somebody. Don't copy somebody. You know, don't copy every move off whatever. Take a little bit of something to make it your own. Like, you know, take a little a mannerism or something like that. I mean, I." I love to see like people like Regal who they took he took some of his mannerisms and things. You tell yourself from like like old stars from the films years ago, like Terry Thomas and people like that. And just mannerisms of Jerry was James and all that. You look at his WCW stuff. A lot of people that goes over their heads, but you look at what, some of his stuff in WF stuff, how he reacts to things, how he looks at things like that. And that's worth more than anything in the, in the you know. I think now, I, I honestly think, you know, on a show, I think there's room for everything, like, you know, but I mean, you know, the sort of, I used to call them, like, the flippy floppy guys, whatever, like, but, like, you know, when you're going three ma- 300 miles an hour, like, uh, sometimes the punters can't follow it. The punters are, are like, bang, 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 like that, you know, and I know recently there was a, th- there was a thing about, like, well, that's very fantastic, entertain the guy that sits NXT now, saying that, and people are saying, like, well, it's not wrestling, it's not wrestling, that's just gymnastics, that's it, that's it. But they are fantastic entertainers, like whichever way you look at. I think there's, I think there's room in wrestling for everything, and especially on like a show where you can have a little bit of comedy, you have a, you have a hard hitting match or whatever, like you know. I think it's involved that much now, especially with like the WWE, where they sort of, I mean, the women's division is fantastic. Yep. You know what I mean? I mean, I mean, you've only got to look at some of the people there and the people coming into it and things like. That. I mean, Tony Storm. I knew Tony from when she used to work. Uh, what's it? All Star training. Yep. Like seven eight years ago, like yeah, you, could, you could see that. Look at it now, like fantastic, like, and um, and I think there's like there's room for everything in wrestling and all that as long as it's done right. 
actors, you know I mean? tumblers, and clowns. clowns. That's where we are, aren't we? You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> I well, I, I usually wrap these up by asking people what their advice would be for anyone coming to the business. But the last five minutes has been you giving me the. But well, I, would, yeah. I would say then. Uh, well, there's loads more, you know. I couldn't tell about everything. I've just, I've just got off on tangents. No, I, I, that's, that's absolutely great. But like, if you if you could give your if you could give yourself. If you can go back now, if you could sit down with Keith who's about to start wrestling right. and give him advice, yeah. what yeah. would the advice be? My advice would be, I'll be honest with you, that I always took the business as like, um, what can I say, it was important to me and like I wanted to be a wrestler, but I always got get that little thing back in there that you need something, a job or whatever. But that fallback. This, this was back in the, don't forget, I'm talking like late 70s, early 80s, like, you know. But even even more so now because obviously jobs are harder to come by. You can walk out to one job and then days walk into another one in the yeah. afternoon. You can't do that now. But I was always like a family orientated man anyway. Like I always used to think before anything else. And uh, what can I say that I would say I took it serious. I did take it really serious. But obviously I knew I got like uh, family and things to think about and my job and things like that. I perhaps could have done push myself more and being uh, not, not more dedicated or anything like take that. Take a few more like, risks maybe. T- took a few more risks and things like that but like I'm quite happy looking back on the last stage five years and thinking yeah I enjoyed that I did that and I've done that and it might not mean a lot to some people but other people like you know, you know but to me uh, it meant the world to me like I know, you know it's another tick off box but I'm definitely like one of them guys, uh, I mean, Robbie Williams from Stoke, you know, a little bit of what's it there. But apparently, as well known as he is, famous as he is, whatever, he's got this thing inside him that you're only as good as the next time you go out and perform. Apparently, he's got this little thing that he gets worried about, like, is he good enough? And that was always me. Was it good enough to do his this, that, and the other? And like, it's like I say, real turn on last Tuesday, fantastic and all that. And then it's like, the worry would be now, like, is what well, the next match you have? Has to be how, how do you compare it to that? Uh, how can yeah, you compare yeah, it to yeah. that? Like, you know, but like, yeah, I I wish sometimes looking back that I could have pushed myself a little bit more and where would it have got me? I don't know. But I'm quite happy with me lot. And like I said before, Gav, you know, I was quite happy to be the guy to be in that position and to be the guy that like is enhancing people, enhancing people and all that. Because yeah, as much as you enhance that guy, you make him look good, you make whatever and all that. You still both got to have a good match, yeah. At the end of the day, and they'll still remember that the guy that was a nasty guy as well. I've always said this, and I shouldn't really say that. They don't remember the good guys as much as they remember the villains. I think. No, that's it. It was in my, in my time. That's how it was. Like they, you know, it was nice to be remembered as a nasty guy and things like that. Because the best reaction I ever got from anybody was like a guy wanting to kill me, <laughs> and he kill me ringside. Is it Civic Call at Wolverhampton? And I walked into the bar after, and you, you got me a bit wary because I've been attacked a few times, like, you know. And uh, basically, he came in, headed straight towards me, so, like, I thought, hey, up here we go, like, you know. He came up to me, and he put his hand out and shook hands. He says, tell you what, mate, he said, I wanted to kill you. And he said, well, fantastic, thanks a lot. You've really entertained me. That means more to me, what punters think like that, and the kids shouting or anybody else. The little old lady, I've just put a picture on Facebook, little old lady arguing with me at Watsy's. At real town all like and things like that and some of the best times I've had is arguing with the punters some of the funniest times yeah. I've had arguing with the punters like you know <laughs> so you know 
Thanks go to me when I send an interview, don't they? Like, anyway. Yeah. Where can they uh where can they find you on the internet, Giv? Uh, <laughs> gotta be careful, I say that. <laughs> <laughs> oh sorry, no, that's a past life. That's a past life, yeah. I've been, I've been quite good since I've been here. No, 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 don't put that in. Jackie, no. Uh, I, I have a Facebook page. I haven't got a, I haven't got a watch it page. Like, you know, these, these af- Keith Myers athletes, because I'm not one. But uh, <laughs> anybody can catch me on Facebook under Keith Myers, obviously. And we have an old school page as well. So please go on there, say if you like the videos or like anything on there. Yeah, they're good. Go yeah. check them out. What about your Twitter? Uh, yes, I'm on Twitter as well, yeah. Under Keith Myers on Twitter. Don't go so much on there, but I do speak to other people who are not on Facebook, if you know what I mean, on there, like some friends who live in America, things like that. But loving the scene at the moment, loving everything. I love the fact that in America at the moment, that we've got such a British influence over there with uh, obviously the coaches like Brookside, oh, man, I was, Benley, Regal. I was in the I was in the PC last week and, I, and we sat there and looked and we was like, there's John Moss. John Moss? I was yeah. like, Johnny Singles of all, all the time. There's Brookside, there's Regal. There's Norman Smiley. Yes, exactly. British I was Smiley. like, I was like, yeah. the majority of the trainers here are British. Yeah. And I think, I think as long as it stays like that, British wrestling is, is, yeah, is just, a great shape. Yeah, just great shows, yeah. Because we gain a bit of everything. You gain the youngsters, like, well, I say youngster, but John Watts, he's a lovely lad, John. He, he's giving his input into it, and obviously Brookside's got loads of experience. Regal's a great guy. He's giving loads of it. And Terry Taylor there. comes in look at a different way as well. It's exactly. And then you've got, like I say, you've got uh, Johnny Saint, who, like, just just to sit down with a guy, I'd say to anybody who meets John, is you get the chance to sit down and talk to him and that. Yeah, and he, he's an approachable fella, he's a lovely guy, and he will give you advice, and he will tell you if you think something's wrong as well. Like, so, you know, at the end of the day, what John is like, I look up to John because when I first started, uh, before I first started, Johnny Saint used to, uh, top the bill at Hanley, Victoria Hall. Yeah. And he was one guy like I looked up to as a as a wrestler, like he he should like act like a wrestler, he looked like a wrestler. In fact he used to fight people like Finley in the early days and like because John used to be a boxer, you know, before he was a wrestler. Yeah, boxer, come on, this. yeah. And basically like John I think legit five tenths or like, something like that, but he always looked bigger in the ring. He didn't look like a lightweight to me. And he used to see him in the ring with people because like We've got a little thing in wrestling as well where a lot of people, if you see people in years gone by and they're standing there and all that, you, you watch a lot of people actually arching, they stand down. On the tiptoes. On the tiptoes. And people do that in the ring and they look big in the ring. Mike Hitchman. Yep. I've only ever worked with Mike once. I had a great match with him at once. He's a terrible, lovely valley. Uh, and I tell you what, and when I used to see him outside the ring, no disrespect to him, but you know, he's, he's so slow, yeah. But then you saw him in the ring, he looked three times as big. And when I wrestled him, he looked big. Because he carries himself. He carries himself, his character, and I'm pleased that he is involved in it as well, because he's a lovely guy, like, you know. Yeah. But, like, at, at the moment, like I say, it's, I think it's brilliant that everybody's um, doing really well, and such as yourself as well, like, you know, you're doing everybody proud, and really appreciate that, because it's like, you do get a lot of people who say to guys like us, who say to him, well, that was, that was in your time, once it, and all that. And you do get some guys, some of the old veterans who do say, well, you know, well, you should appreciate the fact that uh, we paved the way in this. And no, I don't look at it like that. You know, what we did is what we did, right? Yeah, but it is nice to see now that you guys go in the business. And it's nice that all these people are still involved and there is that connection. But I, I would never say for one reason, like, you know, well, you're only there now because what we did. 
No, I'm sorry, no, you do that because you're talented. You deserve to be there. That, that's the that's thing. But also, lucky enough to have the exposure as well. Lucky enough to be in, in a time, what's it framed now, where like everything is falling into place type of thing, you know. I mean, that's the reason why WWE guys are poaching you guys. And they are. They're poaching you guys. They're poaching the best guys. They want the best guys. Because the future of wrestling then is like, you know, look at these English guys, like, sorry, Welsh guys. <laughs> <laughs> British guys. British guys, yeah. I'll so slide. Yeah, yeah. I have to edit that one, yeah. <laughs> uh, look at these guys out there. And they're like, you are. And I tell you what, like, we, we can more than stand up to any of yeah. the Americans. I'm not saying there's that. Any good American entertainers or wrestlers or whatever they're they're fantastic. You're just saying that we were. But as I think I think we're as good as ever, if not better. Honestly, think that. I think that's a I think that's a brilliant. And it's all about exposure. Yeah, I think that's a brilliant way yeah. to uh, end it, Keith. Yeah, absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank Sorry for waiting on. Oh no, absolute <laughs> pleasure. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Cheers, Gav. Cold starts I'm doing on the podcast. I mean, I love it. Thanks to James Musselwhite for explaining what that was. I love to just put the podcast on and have a little bit of a chit chat and then then not realise that we've started. But yeah, Keith, absolutely wonderful. He said himself he could have gone on for another hour, two hours, but I felt the way that he started talking and he'd already, he answered that question I ask at the end of every podcast. And I thought, well, I feel you've, you've taken it to a really nice conclusion. I'd rather do that than uh, try to push out for another hour and have it not flow as well. So I thought I'd go with that. And I thought that was, that was just right. But as I said, I love the story about how he got into it quite late. He already had uh, two kids. He had his his wife already. And he decided he wanted to give wrestling a go. And he was working a full-time job. And he was traveling up and down the countries and stuff like that. And yeah, maybe maybe he could have took more risks. And maybe he could have maybe he could have uh, stopped his job and, and done this and done that. But he did things his way. And he said that he now sits here at uh, 50, 59 years old. And he's still with his wife that he was back then. He's got two beautiful kids. And he's he's really happy with where life is now. So maybe looking back, it would have maybe taken a few more risks, but uh, he's happy and he's he's had a really fun and fulfilled career. So really nice to get Keith on the show and and some of the stories incredible and absolute character. And I have no doubt that uh, I'll get him on the year, I'll get him on in a year's time, and he'll be able to probably tell me this entire this entire story again in a completely different way, which uh, I absolutely look forward to. So yeah, big thanks to Keith for being on the show. Of course, if you have enjoyed the show, be sure to rate, subscribe, review. Tell everyone you've enjoyed the show. Tell everyone to come and listen to the podcast. Uh, as I say, rate, subscribe, review, and wherever you're listening to. Tell a friend. Uh, but if you really have enjoyed it, be sure to uh, to tweet out to myself and Keith Myatt. I am at Flash underscore Morgan on the Twitter. Tell us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Flash Morgan Webster. And uh, I'm on Instagram, at Flash Morgan Webster on the Instagram. Uh, if you have enjoyed the podcast or you want to book me for any upcoming seminars, gigs, events, uh, the email, as always, is flashmorgan at live.co.uk. Uh, yeah, got got a, a light September, which I'm going to try to keep light as well. Got a uh, promised, promised the other half that we would go uh, for a week away somewhere. So maybe I'm not looking to fill that much. But if you do have any seminars, I would love to come down and impart my knowledge that way. Especially if my, uh, if my shoulder results come back and they're not as great uh, as we're hoping they are. Fingers crossed. But if they're not, then I'll definitely be doing a lot more seminars the next couple of months so uh fingers crossed for me everyone cross those fingers and uh but yeah if you want to book me for anything like that then i'm flashmorgan.live.co.uk uh big thanks as always to our guest keith myatt big thanks to you guys for listening big thanks to pins and knuckles merch.com again go check those out they have all your merchandise needs 
Use the promo code FLASH, get some free goodies from them. If you're after any of my merchandise or you want to support me any other way, that can be done at morganwebster.picartel.com. And yeah, I think that's it. Uh, not much to talk about. I've got some cool stuff coming up. NXT UK on the weekend. Again, hopefully, fingers crossed, I am clear. We're down at the Insomnia Gaming Festival. Uh, tickets still available, so definitely go check it out. They'll be crowning as well the first ever NXT UK Women's Champions. That's a big, big weekend. So, hey, they probably won't even need me. They have the girls there killing it the entire weekend. You won't even miss me. It'll be an absolute stellar show. So, definitely go check that out. If you're in the area, if you're not, come down. Check it out. Midlands, I live in the Midlands. It's, it's You're able to get there from everywhere. And you're able to uh, to travel uh, on the trains, cars, wherever. So, definitely come and check that out. That is in the Insomnia Gaming Festival. Uh, NXT UK will be crowning the first ever women's champion. So, uh, yeah, come and do it. All left to say is uh, thanks for listening. Uh, I've been Flash Morgan Webster. It's an absolute pleasure. Well, it's always a pleasure. It's always a treasure. And bye. Thanks for stopping by. Have a good week, people. 